request, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City, alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. It never fails. Never fails, Stephen. Every week we're going to find a way to talk about the one, the only Bryson DeChambeau. But at least this week, we're going to be talking about his play because it was a thrilling finish to the BMW Championship uh, in the Baltimore area yesterday. Patrick Cantlay made about 6,000 feet of putts, it seemed, over the course of the final round. (laughs) Just everything he was looking at was going down. It was awesome. It was fun to watch, although Bryson had plenty of opportunities and he could not cash in on any of them. Yeah, it's not boding well for Bryson DeChambeau heading into the Ryder Cup when you talk about a guy who just can't seem to shine brightest in the biggest moments. The play that he had throughout the entire four days was incredible golf. He was Bryson at his best. He shot a 60 on Friday. But Gabe, here's, here's what I struggle with. And I don't know if I, Bryson is just so deep down in a hole for me and how I feel about him that like I'm searching for negatives and I don't feel like I'm the only one who might feel that way. But I, I watched him finish that round of 60 on Friday and I, I was disappointed. And I was disappointed because he made par par to finish and he missed a short putt that would have put him at 59. And that's like that's where my head goes with Bryson right now. Is I'm almost rooting for him to miss putts. I was sitting on Sunday watching the final round with my parents. I was back in Philadelphia, had a great time with them. And my mom was rooting for Bryson DeChambeau to miss those putts in the playoff. My mom, <laughs> who isn't even like she's a very big golf fan, but doesn't watch golf week in and week out. But as a casual viewer, I'm like sitting there watching my mom be like, miss it, miss it, miss it. And I'm like, wow, if this is how my mom feels, <laughs> can you imagine how other PGA Tour f- players feel about this? Or, you know, dedicated golfers and golf lovers like you and myself. Like, I also, in the back of my mind, was rooting for Patrick Cantlay, which is a shame because Bryson put together an unbelievable spectacle of a 72-hole stretch. And it was one of the best finishes in PGA Tour history that I can remember in my lifetime. The way that that playoff played out. Because both of them were unbelievable down the stretch. The way that Bryson was going off the tee. The way that Cantlay was making putts. The way that they went back and forth. Big moments. I mean, Bryson was... You thought he was dead in the water. when When they played 18, I believe, the third or fourth time. And he comes back and gets up and down out of the hazard to finish with a par and push Cantlay. I mean, it was unbelievable golf. But Bryson missed the putt on Friday, and Bryson missed a number of putts on Sunday down the stretch. He should have won, and I feel empty watching his performance. uh, The the most troublesome thing in terms of Bryson, I guess, his performance, was the chip on 17. 
Yeah. Like, all he has to do, and it seemed like a relatively easy up and down for a tour pro, and I say for a tour pro because, like, how many times have you stood over your own ball going, oh, this is a relatively easy up and down, and next thing you know, you've made bogey, um, you know, where you just hit a bad chip or whatever. But for for as good of a player as Bryson is, to hit that poor of a chip in that moment and, you know, on on 17, that was that was kind of jarring and shocking. Because, I mean, you miss a putt, you miss a putt. You know, you missed a, a lot 12, of big moments. Yeah, you missed a twelve footer. Like he missed a twelve footer at the end that could have pushed the hole. I mean, twelve footers they don't go on all the time. The, the PGA Tour average from eight feet is fifty percent, which yeah. seems ridiculous because I'm pretty sure Patrick Cantlay was like a hundred percent from twenty feet and in. <laughs> at least yeah. again, that's not the actual stat. That's just the way it seemed. And I, I guess what made the whole thing even rise further into entertainment mode to, uh, yesterday was the fact. That Patrick Cantlay, as he's walking up, what was that, 14? And he's walking up the opposite end of the the, of the, uh, the fairway. And I don't know if Bryson saw him out of the corner of the eye. I don't know if he heard him. But he backs off his ball as he's about to hit it and says, Hey, Patrick, can you stop walking? Which seems innocent. Like, in, in all honesty, it's 100% innocent. And 100% Bryson is in the right here being like, Hey, man, I'm trying to hit my shot. Like, just, I don't want to be distracted. But it seemed like a catalyst that even like brought those competitive juices up even more because Cantlay and, and, and Bryson did not say anything to each other. The handshake at the end was about as an icy of a handshake as I've seen on the PGA Tour between two guys that just went through what they went through in six playoff holes and playing together all day long. Like it, it, and that just goes to tell you where Bryson DeChambeau is right now. Again, he did something 100% correct. And yet, somehow, by a majority of fans, he's somehow being painted in the as a villain in that instance. Well, well, well. I have to correct you on that. That last part of that. He he is not being painted by a villain by fans. He created his own villain. That's very game. fair. That's fair. Hundred percent. Because of how uh, because of how he has handled the media, how he has handled social media, <laughs> and how he has acted on the course at both his caddy and. The people that pay him a lot of money to use his driver and clubs, whatever it may be. Never forget, driver's This has been the summer of playoff golf, but this has also been the summer of Bryson's demise. And he is the ultimate villain, and he is the only one to blame in this entire situation. And I'm sorry, but I have no, no sympathy for it. You're not sorry. I'm not sorry. You're not sorry. Let's, like, come on. Let's I be honest here. You know, if he's going to sit and he's going to pout about how people are still calling him Brooksy on the golf course and how people are going to root against him potentially in his own Ryder Cup that he's going to be playing in, like he created this villain and he is the only one to blame here. And we talked about this, I believe, last week or the week before. The only way he is going to get out of this deep, deep hole that he has created for himself is by winning. And he's not doing that, Gabe. And, and even that, I don't think he's going to be able to dig himself all the way out because it, it's a pretty big hole that he has dug himself. But he could be I, the hero of the Ryder Cup, for all we know. And, that, and maybe Bryson is back. Maybe I, he, I don't know. I will say this. 
Uh, there's a great story up right now at ESPN.com that Kevin Van Valkenburg uh, wrote. And KVV has covered plenty of golf. Doesn't do as much golf anymore uh, for ESPN.com. His his uh, responsibilities have shifted for ESPN. But because this was in his backyard, KVV lives in the Baltimore area, he covered this event for ESPN. And he put up a great uh, column, article, whatever you want to call it, about Bryson DeChambeau. And for the first time, I felt bad for Bryson. Because in there, he shares a story of, I mean, imagine being Bryson, you just grinded out, you you played really well, you shot a 60, but you lost to a dude who seemingly could not miss on the putting. And by the way, uh, Patrick Cantlay could not miss, because for the, he had the best putting week in the history of strokes gained, which has kept track of every single putt on the PGA Tour since 2003. Like, not even close. Like, his strokes gained putting this week off the charts. Greatest in strokes gained history. So that's what Bryson lost to. And he grinded out. He certainly left everything out there. And as he's walking off the course, you know, he's he's walking his way towards the clubhouse. Somebody waits until after he walks past and yells, Great job, Brooksy. Like, I actually, like, that to me was kind of a Richard move. Like, this guy is just being annoying to be annoying. Like, the dude just left everything out there. Just leave him alone. Like, I actually felt bad for him in that moment. Uh, Again, you can check out the entire piece by Kevin Van Valkenburg at ESPN.com. And that was the first time I find myself kind of feeling bad for him. That being said, I mean, I don't feel bad enough for him where I find myself rooting for him this week at the Tour Championship. I'm certainly not going to be rooting for him at a place that I that most golf fans love in Augusta National when he called that place a par 68 for him. So then when he shoots a 70, like, oh, it's too over par, huh? Oh, it must not be so easy, is it? So, you know, he, he brings so much of it upon himself. But at the same time, if you're attending these events, like... You know, you could get after him a little bit, but after he put on the performance that he did this weekend, like I would have preferred if that one fan would just left him alone on his way to the clubhouse and then ultimately his car as he as he got out of Dodge. Yeah, and it it is an unfortunate reality of where a lot of people are at as fans of sporting events. Um, we've created this culture of wanting to go viral and wanting to film yourself doing stupid things. I mean, it's no different than the golf fans who yell "Baba Booey." Uh, you know, at the tee like box. the candle, you know, it, it's just there, there's always that guy and there's always that person who feels like they need to do this for the greater good of social media. And you and I probably love consuming those videos. Well, right. No, I, I mean, for the most part, but, I don't enjoy those videos. There has been one golf yeller that one in the history of everybody yelling Baba Booey or mashed potatoes or like whatever you're yelling off the tee. There's only one that's worked out. And it wasn't even off the tee. It was the 2008 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines with Tiger Woods when he chipped in on the 17th hole. And, you know, he hit it too hard. It took, like, one hop, goes up the flag, comes right back down. Right after Tiger hit that shot, it was the most accurate thing ever yelled. Guy just yelled, one time! And then it goes down. (laughs) So, like, that is the only one in the history of all of this that has ever worked out. So, please, do not be yelling these stupid things when you go to a PGA Tour event. I personally find it entertaining. I don't don't necessarily support it. And in this instance, I I do wholeheartedly agree with you. I do not believe that Bryson DeChambeau deserved that type of attention. But at the end of the day, this is what the feud happened between him and and Brooks Koepka. 
if there's anyone to blame, it's not only Bryson, but Brooks also drove this narrative. Oh, into without the ground. a doubt. Yes. And this is exactly what Brooks Kepka, like he won this battle and then some because Bryson will now forever be Brooksy on a golf course. And people are going, there's going to be enough stupid fans out there that are going to videotape themselves calling Bryson Brooksy because they know it pisses him off. And you're not going to kick those fans out of an event for calling him a nickname that's not a terrible word or something that's going to offend somebody else, right? So this is unfortunately the monster that Bryson DeChambeau has created for himself. And he has to find a way to get out of it. And I I don't know if it's going to be a short-term fix. I mentioned maybe he's the... The guy like Patrick Reed, who's going to be, you know, flying on the American Eagle after the Ryder Cup, leading them to victory. Maybe that helps. But there's always going to be those fans that know that this is going to ha- this is going to get under his skin. And I'm sympathetic because I do think mental health is a really important thing in our world right now, and especially and especially for professional athletes that have to deal with it. That you and I would never understand what it's like to have somebody continue to, you know. Well, Ticket you every single time that you're on a golf course right, and you're like, trying to stay focused. Like, if, if you're this I, guy, I like you're going, oh, what's the big deal? It's one incident. Like, no, this has literally been going on for months now. Like that, yeah. that Bryson has had to deal every with it. Every fairway, hear it. every yep. tee box, every tournament, right? Every practice round. This is it's something that he's going to live with everywhere he goes. And there are enough bad people that are going to continue to poke the bear because they want to see that reaction out of Bryson DeChambeau, right? Oh, without a doubt. And and I, I want to move on from Bryson because Patrick Cantley did win this event. And with yes. that win, it's his third of this year. So he fl- ended up in the automatic qualifiers. He was the sixth spot. So he is number sixth uh, on the Ryder Cup team. Your thoughts on Patrick Cantley being an automatic? Because there were talks. I mean, who knew if he was actually going to be a captain's pick, he would have been one of mine because he has been so steady. But he, now he's an automatic qualifier for, for the Ryder Cup. How do you feel about Patrick Cantlay in a couple of weeks teeing it up for Team USA at Whistling? There's one player who's won three events in this calendar year from 2020 to 2021. It's Patrick Cantlay. One of those was because John Rahm was DQ'd from Memorial, so that there's a little bit of an asterisk there. But um, I loved Patrick Cantlay. I, I picked him to win this tournament, and it, it was just because he has been probably – along with Jordan Spieth, who's made, I think, 17 straight cuts entering the FedEx Cup, the steadiest golfer on tour this year. And he, his strokes gained putting, you know, being in the mid-teens for an event is silly. I mean, that, that is, like, unbelievable type of performance or filled putt. I mean, this is the type of player who has earned the nickname Patty Ice, Heading I mean, in think to, about to whistling straights. And like, that's the type of guy you want on your team who can rise in that moment, make that big putt. And seemingly, I, I think that Patrick Cantlay won this tournament more than Bryson lost. Oh, it. Without I think a, a lot of people will without disagree because Bryson missed a lot of shots down the stretch. But the performance that Patrick Cantlay put together was unbelievable stuff. And I, I, I'm really excited about him. Being at Whistling, I think he was going to be a captain's pick regardless just because of how steady he's been all season. And the the fact that he earned an automatic bid says a lot about a guy who has kind of flown under the radar for how good of a season he's had. The one moment that stood out for me for Patrick Cantlay was not all the, the, the putts made because, I mean, putting can be fickle, right? Like Even if you're a really good putter, they're not always all going to go down the way they did for Patrick Cantlay. It was, for me... 
when they played 17 as a playoff hole, and Bryson, I mean, Bryson was going first on the playoffs, and Bryson, who's hitting wedge, stuffs one. And Patrick Cantlay steps up with an 8-iron and hits it inside of his. Like, that, to me, and especially when you're talking about Ryder Cup, like, that's, that's what the Ryder Cup is. Somebody hits a shot. Okay, now the pressure's on you. You got to respond, and that's exactly what Patrick Cantlay did. We're gonna get that was more. that that was the ultimate Gabe Happy Gilmore moment <laughs> of him going. Somebody's closer. We're gonna get into more Ryder Cup talk in a little bit, but yesterday was an important anniversary, especially for a couple of big fans like Stephen and myself. We'll let you know what that anniversary was coming up next on the team. Back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. On the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Because something important happened here. In the state of Wisconsin, it launched the professional career of, to me, the greatest golfer of all time, and that's where we start today's It's All About the Drive. Sometimes it's all about the drive, but off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive. We make it easy. Tiger Woods made his debut yesterday, 25 years ago, his PGA Tour professional debut right here in Milwaukee at Brown Deer Park Golf Course. I was up at Brown Deer yesterday playing uh, because, again, that's where I play most of my golf. And it just seems like, especially with everything else going on, and, and you know, Tiger had the, the unfortunate accidents, um, you know, earlier this year. But I still want to take time, especially as big of Tiger Woods fans as you and I are, Stephen, like 25 years of of Tiger Woods, I feel like we needed to celebrate that today on the team. It is unbelievable. I'm just on TigerWoods.com, just like going through his records right now, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just it. I, I'm like grinning ear to ear. I mean, we we know about the PGA 82 career victories he's tied with, you know, Sam Snead there, and and he's got 18 to Jack's 20. I, I look at the, the consecutive cuts made during the career. He made 142 straight cuts. That's a lot. That's a I lot. mean, it's it's unbelievable when you think about that consistency. I mean, he had he won seven straight tournaments at one point. We're we're we're, we're bragging about Patrick Cantlay's season that he won three times in a full calendar year. Tiger won seven straight. In one season, he he won nine in a in a full year. I mean, it's I don't think we'll ever see another Tiger Woods in this sport, oh, and that's no. okay. And that's okay. And I, and we we've spoken about it on this show in the past. Like you you can't com- compare career trajectories to what Tiger Woods did because I don't think we will ever see anybody sniff 142 consecutive events making a cut ever again. And I think the fact that we will always here in Milwaukee 
have that tied it to Tiger and how special that soundbite was when he stepped to the podium and said, hello, world. I mean, that, that is something that will live in Milwaukee sports eternity. And it, it's, it's, it was so cool that he did it here. And he had his first hole-in-one here. And, you know, just watching back at all the videos and, and the moments, you know, at, at Channel 12, we have two photographers that shot his hole-in-one from two different angles. And the spectacle of seeing all these fans take that in and celebrate that moment with him, and that's going to always be linked to Milwaukee. It's, it's pretty special. Much like the New England Patriots have ruined our perception of what is acceptable in the NFL, like because they won so many times, and same thing now with Tom Brady since he's gone down to Tampa Bay to win, the expectations of PGA Tour golfers when we put them up against Tiger Woods, it's just unrealistic. And, and I know earlier this year it's been a promo that we've run on this show about the um, – the rate in which Tiger Woods would close out tournaments, and it's like 95%. Like he's Mariano, Mariano Rivera, but on a golf course. And, <laughs> and yet, this year on the PGA Tour, in, in, there were like six or seven straight tournaments where the 54-hole leader did not close it out. Patrick Cantley was the first one since Phil Mickelson did it at the PGA Championship. Oh, so that's more than six or weekend. seven. Yeah. So that's, think about that. That has been, I mean, two majors coming through in that span like that's un- that's unbelievable it's so hard to fathom but that's how hard it is to close out a golf tournament over the course of 18 holes and he's just kind of ruined the perception you know when and, and then it makes other you know people's expectations unrealistic because he has gone out there and he's won you know he, he's won so many majors and he's won um, you know 15 times as a major winner and it, it makes you go when you see somebody like Jordan Spieth win two majors in the same year. Go, man, this kid, yeah, he could end up with 11 or 12. Nah, it's probably not going to happen. It, it, when you see the dominant stretch that we've seen from John Rahm, and John Rahm's been really damn good since they won that U.S. Open. He's been really good all summer long. And, you know, COVID prevented him from getting a- another win. And he played really well this week. But he was just in yeah. the top ten. Like it just it, it it makes you realize the level that Tiger was on compared to everyone else, and how hard that is to replicate on today's PGA Tour. It's just it's not going to be replicated again. And like you said, that's okay. You've got to find a different way if you're golf to market yourself without a Tiger Woods. They didn't do a great job of it pre-Tiger. You know they were more niche, and maybe you kind of fall back into that 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 niche area of of, of a sports. Uh, although, as popular as it is right now, it's really hard to find tee times in a lot of different courses on, on the weekend. It's, um, I don't know, man. Like, t- Tiger is just, he, in, being a fan of Tiger growing up, like, that's always going to have a special connection because that was the athlete you rooted for as a kid. There's always a certain feel of nostalgia. But if you had to pick one moment, narrow do- Tiger down to one moment, your favorite Tiger Woods moment. Man, I I don't know if it's just the recency bias in me, um, but his win at the Masters, you know, after all that he had been through and not winning for so long, and yes, he won he won at East Lake, and, and that was a really special moment. That scene will forever be burned into my mind of those crowds that surrounded him walking up East Lake, but for him to win the Masters, I I, I think that that 
is probably the defining Tiger Woods moment only because it was it was bigger than him and it was the moment of Tiger as a dad that was really a, a special thing to see him in his Sunday red hun- hugging Charlie and his daughter you know so similar to how he hugged his father in that exact same spot earlier on his career i think that 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 was like one of the un- most unbelievable sports stories that we'll ever see so i 2008 was amazing but i i think him winning the masters and now knowing you know that we don't know if we'll ever see tiger play competitive golf again uh, that will be the moment that i take away from tiger's career was how special to see that come full circle hopefully not for a final time um, as a winner but man if that's if that's the final moment we talk about for tiger woods and his pro golf career as his final win that was a pretty pretty special thing to watch unfold on tv what about you well again there are so to me there are so many that that stick out more than others to choose from whether that's 2001 going to the Masters and winning and closing out the Tiger Slam when everybody expected him to do it, like the amount of pressure that was on him to do that, yeah. um, and, and and he did it. Like it was, oh yeah, no, Tiger's going to do this. He's going to win four majors in a row, and and then he just went out and did it. That's unbelievable. Uh, to make the putt on 18 to send it to a playoff in 2008 at Torrey Pines, yeah, and the, the call from Dan Hicks expect anything different like no of course we didn't expect anything different of course tiger woods was gonna win the u.s open on a broken leg and and you know and and the fact that rocco knew he was gonna make oh yeah my favorite parts right like rocco knew (laughs) it was going down everybody knew it was going down it's tiger woods he doesn't miss that but uh there is uh, there's one moment that's just very specific to me from 2009 at bay hill and i think he was gonna about to win it back to back because he had a similar he made a similar putt to win that back to back i was running late and I was like trying to, you know, I wanted to, I, I was playing in like some rec basketball league or something. And that tournament was on and I had to get to this game, but I couldn't leave Tiger. I saw him sticking on the green. It was a similar spot to where he made the putt the year before. And I went, okay, I, I can go. I know, I, I don't have to watch him. I know that yeah. putt's going to, it is a 22 curling foot putt that is like curling big time from left to right. But the fact that I would just have confidence that my favorite golfer is going to make that putt is so ridiculous. But you're right. You're 100% right. The one that stands out the most is the way that he was able to turn back the clock. And he he won at Augusta in 2019. Like everything about it, everything you said with, with him and Charlie and wearing the Sunday red, wearing the Sunday red with the mock neck. Um, which I then went out and had to buy one because uh, I said I was <laughs> of going to. You did. Well, I mean, I said I was going to if he closed it out. I actually said I was going to wear nothing but mock neck, uh, those mock necks for you know from for all time, which I had to you know go back on. But of course, I went and bought one of those. Uh, it was just a really special moment, and again, that's that's always going to stand out. I think is my favorite Tiger Woods moment as well. Maybe it is recency bias, but I, in this instance, I really don't believe that it is. Uh, so we now go from the past. We move back to the present. And when we talk a little bit about um, our our fantasy picks this week, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're also going to make picks who we believe are the six Ryder Cup captains picks for Team USA. But before we get all to, to all of that, here is this week's Cartgirl Moments of the Week. And now it's time for another Cartgirl Moment presented by Fairways of Woodside. 10, 
20, 40, 45, 46, 47, 48. Uh, sir, I think you forgot a few extra bills. No, <laughs> there are no IOUs and you can't just get me the next time you see me. Okay, you know what? How about I just take this drink back while you finish the round, like layaway. Maybe you can win some money back on the next few holes and you can find me after. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by. Happy hitting. This has been another Cart Girl Moment, presented by Fairways of Woodside, home of the premium golf experience. Premium golf, service, and of course, the best golf carts with GPS and Bluetooth speakers. Fairways of Woodside. No ifs, ands, or putts. There's more On the Tee with Gabe and Steven coming up on 94.5 ESPN. On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. things to talk about when it comes to making picks and fantasy golf. So we'll start with uh, with what things are going to look like at Eastlake as we make some fantasy picks. Who's in the red? Give me another ball. Take a drop, Roy. Roy, just... Give me another ball. Who's in the green? Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. This is where we recap the weekend in fantasy golf and prepare you for the next tournament. Brought to you by New Male Medical Center. Guys struggling with low testosterone, ED, and weight loss have had success at New Male. You can too. Schedule your consultation at newmail.com and discover the new you. Okay, so for those uh, who, who need a little bit of a catch-up, because they want the... Tour championship winner to be the same person that wins the $15 million first place prize for the FedEx Cup. This is such a headache. Yes. So I've got the list in front of me and how everything is going to be stacked and how they are starting this week at East Lake. Um, again, for the 30 players. Uh, because now they have, if you are in first place heading into this event in the FedEx Cup standings, you get a whopping two stroke advantage. That's right. A whole two strokes. Now, on some people, you're getting 10 strokes. Uh, but Patrick Cantlay was going to start at 10 under par. That's where he starts the event. Uh, Tony Finau is 8 under. Bryson is going to start at 7. John Rahm, 6 under par. Cam Smith is 5 under. Justin Thomas, Harris English, Abraham Answer, Jordan Spieth, Sam Burns, all 4 under. Morikawa, Sung J.M., Victor Hovland, Louis Oosthuizen, DJ, 3 under. Two under is Rory Zander, Jason Kokrak, Kevin Nob, Brooks Kepka. One under, Corey Connors, Hideki Matsuyama, Stuart Sink, uh, Jacqueline Neiman, Scotty Scheffler, and even par, Daniel Berger, Eric Van Royen, Sergio Garcia, Billy Horschel, and Patrick Reed, who we don't know if he's going to play or not in this event as he was released from the hospital uh, last week. So we don't know if Patrick Reed is going to make it and, and be able to play, which could be important for him as he tries to make the Ryder Cup. So that's how all of that lays out. It's I hate this. <laughs> and I just hate it. I just absolutely hate it. And I understand. Hey, what hey, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. Real quick, real quick, real quick. I believe that you said you hated the FedEx Cup playoffs. I do. Have we had a little fun the last couple of weeks? I mean, I hate the tour championship setup, but it's been a fun FedEx Cup playoffs. But you got to give me that. Is, but it's not because it's the FedEx Cup playoffs. 
Like, yesterday would have been fun if it was whatever event in the middle of July. Like, the FedEx Cup playoffs didn't make yesterday any more enjoyable. And, and look, I will give yeah, okay, credit. Okay. I'll I give, see you there. I'll give credit to the PGA Tour for having these showcase events and moving it up as much as I hate that because it eliminates Whistling Straits as a potential venue for the PGA. Like, yesterday was awesome. And if this was going on in the month of September up against Saturday or Sunday afternoon football into Sunday night football, nobody's watching it. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just because of the Ryder Cup that I'm like so jacked up to see how guys are going to perform in the FedEx Cup right now. Next year, we'll have the same conversation. We'll oh, see. yeah. It, again, we'll, we'll see if we're as jacked up about the FedEx Cup. Like, and I'm watching because all the top players in the world are playing in these events. But yeah. it, it's I'm, yesterday wasn't exciting because it was the second-to-last FedEx Cup playoff event. Because I really don't care if they're playing for $15 million. Like they're, it's, it's like when Tiger and Phil played for $9 million. I don't care... First of all, I can't even fathom $9 million. Second of all, like these guys have so much money, it doesn't really, like the $9 million isn't making a dent. Okay, so Tiger can now pay his staff and, you know, get the gas for privacy as yacht. Cool. Um, <laughs> doesn't really do much for me. That's not why I would watch that event. Yesterday was just fun to watch because I'm, I'm a big golf fan, but this makes absolutely no sense because I, I understand what they're doing. You want to. You know, have the playoffs mean something and play your best during the playoffs. But that's not what golf is. Like, golf, to, to narrow this down to just one week and put $15 million on the line just does not make a ton of sense. And then to stagger it the, the way that they have, I hate it. I just do not like it. Because now we're going to have... But maybe, you, maybe this is more relatable. Because if you play a big event at your local club, sometimes you've got a net winner, sometimes you've got a gross winner, sometimes you got both. Now, they're not going to recognize the gross winner this week. Just the net winner is the one that's uh, you know going to be most recognized. Uh, so I want you to pick who's going to win the FedEx Cup and who is going to play the best, the actual best, and win the fake leaderboard and have the best four days at Eastlake. I am going to go with, for my Gruber Law Offices, one call or two call pick, Rory McIlroy to have the best four-day performance. Um, I believe he has been the best golfer on the planet this year. I am going to pick John Rahm to win. Like, John Rahm's going to win this, right? Like, John Rahm's going to chase down Cantlay Fino, DeChambeau ahead of him. Like yeah, to it, me, it's that's harder a- to not pick John Rom for everything right now. Terrifying going into whistling in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. That's why I said, I'm telling you, man, throw Bryson into the wolves for that singles match and put him as your number one option, Steve Stricker, and have him just face John Rom and let's just let's just end it there. Uh, I am going to say Jordan Spieth wins the gross division and the net division. Yeah, I'm 100% with you with John Rom. Now, we do want to make some more picks because after this event, Steve Stricker is going to have to make his picks, his final six picks for the Ryder Cup team. Now, the automatic qualifiers, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, and then Patrick Cantlay jumped over Tony Fino, and Cantlay is an automatic qualifier. Who are you taking as your six captain's picks? I think it's actually getting pretty easy right now. I, I think that really? this is all re- like it's starting to really take shape for me. I'm not a big Webb Simpson guy, so for me, I, I think it might be easier than others. Um, Webb's been a stalwart. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. I just 
he's maybe he's just not like a sexy pick. He's just like you don't too like his swing. For me. You just don't like his swing. I get it. Yeah, like the, just, the, the little like, twirl thing like so that he does with his blah. wrist at the end. It looks very strange. Doesn't look like it should be efficient. But Webb Simpson is as steady as a performer as you want, which is what you want in the Ryder Cup. I don't know. I but I. I want Scotty Scheffler because I think he has a little bit more swagger. And maybe it was just a match play from, you know, the WGC earlier this summer where I was like, wow, this guy is taking everybody down. I really like him. But here, here are my six. I mean, I, I think most of our top four of these six are going to be the exact same. Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Harris English are all in for me. So those yep. are the four. I, Patrick I Reed is probably is, is not going to be healthy enough or not going to be playing enough golf recently with what he went through being hospitalized that he can be on this team. Um, and so I, my final two picks are going to be Daniel Berger and Scotty Scheffler. So That's you're not, my six. no, no kids, no Mickelson making this no, list. No, no, no. I, I, if, if they are picked, I think it would be Phil over kids and, that's strictly because Steve Stricker thinks that that is the guy you have to either pair with Bryson or because he really genuinely thinks that Phil or Kiz could Kiz, – Kiz is not going to be on the team. He's 100%. just not – he's not a long enough hitter. Correct. We've talked about this endlessly. He just can't be on the team. Phil hits bombs, and Phil is a showman, and I do think that Phil could have a little bit of that Ian Poulter-like mentality – playing for Team USA, that if he were on the team, I would not be surprised. But I think Phil will be there as another vice captain, and I think they're going to go with young, big hitters and in Scotty Scheffler, Daniel Berger is the final two. If you, if you had to leave off somebody in order to make room for Phil, so, I mean, oh, your, last, so your last two picks. So if Phil, if Phil makes it, which I still think is a distinct possibility and I'm terrified yeah, of, of, would you leave off Scheffler or Berger? I'd probably leave Scheffler off. Okay. See, I just don't feel like Scotty's been playing good enough as of late. He, he has not played the best golf lately. And I, and that, that does kind and of it matters. And it matters yeah, going course, into the Ryder Cup. As, as much as you want to reward the best players, that's what the automatic qualifiers are for. And I'm I, with I, you. I'm with he, you in terms of Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, and Hinglish. Those four, they're locked away. They're, they're in. So we're just coming down to the final two. Yeah, Scheffler, BMW, T22, Northern Trust, T43. Uh, it's the fine. St. Jude, he was 14. He was 8th at the Open. He was 7th at the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's 3rd at the Memorial. I mean, it's a that's pretty more good solid. Season. Hey, that's more solid than I thought it was. Yeah, the um, feels, right? I, it, it, well, and I think, yeah. It, what that goes to show you is how much TV controls this narrative. Yeah, because I haven't seen much of Scotty Scheffler on TV over really during the course of any of those events. I mean, a little bit for the U.S. Open, um, but I don't remember seeing him a ton on TV. And to me, so I'm like, okay, he's at the back end of the field. No, he's been around the top twenty, so that's more solid than I thought. I still think that Patrick Reed makes this team. Really, I still think that Steve Stricker is going to take Patrick Reed because, as much of a pain in the ass as he can be. Like, that short game, man, like, that's what you want for alternate shot. Like, you need somebody that can get up and down, you know, kind of embrace the challenge of, okay, your teammates put you in a bad spot. Can you get up and down from here? Now, Patrick Reed's going to throw you under the bus for putting you in the bad spot after the round, but I think he can still execute. So, as much as it pains me to say, 
I am putting Patrick Reed on as one of my final captain's picks. I don't think it's a talent. Like, the talent part is there. Like, I, I think if he's if he's fully healthy and he I, – I, I just think it's the fact that he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. But that, that, that's what scares me about Reed. I, I think if he's full go ready, he's on that team if, because of what he did. If the Ryder Cup was Hazel next team. week, I think you would have a point. But we still have just a little over a month. Like yeah. we, we've just a little under a month, excuse me, before the Ryder Cup. So we, we've got some time for him to get healthy, and I think he will be healthy even if he does not play in the Tour Championship this week. We got to wait and see if he's if he's going to give it a go. And the other one, as much oh man, I really want to take Daniel Berger. I really do, but to me, that's just way too chalky, and you're just taking the top twelve. <laughs> so like, why have yeah. any captains' picks? And I was just defending him, and I think he's as, as steady as a partner as you can ask for. And I think he really thrives in those team formats, whether it's the four ball, whether it's the foursomes, which is alternate shot. I'm taking Webb Simpson. I think he's a great partner, and I think he'd be you know lucky for any of these guys to be paired up with because he's going to make a ton of pars, allowing you know somebody like Jordan Spieth, even though Spieth will probably be paired up with JT. Um, maybe he gets paired up with Xander or Tony or one of those guys. It allows them to open up and be aggressive and go birdie hunting because you know that guy's going to be solid and he's going to be making the pars to to make sure that the uh, the match doesn't get too far yeah. out of hand. Yeah, I mean, it, for, for team play, it, you need a guy who's going to make sure you don't lose just as much as you need a guy who's going to go out and win, right? And, oh, and Webb is that guy. I mean, I'm looking at his last five tournaments. He was T12 at BMW, T47 at Northern Trust, but then he was T7 at Wyndham, where he always plays well, T15 at St. Jude, T19 at the Open. I mean, that's that four out of five top 20s in his last five events. I mean, he definitely is... He is a steady, steady player. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if Webb made it over Scheffler. I just like the fact that Scheffler is a little longer off the tee, and I really think that Steve is going to design that course to be as long as possible because that fits the strengths of most of his guys. We'll have to wait and find out and see how that all plays out next week. But we've got, we were just talking about the GMO and Tiger debuted. Well, there was a different course other than Brown Deer that used to host the GMO. We're going to talk about that golf course coming up next on the team. Forget about changing that dial. More on the tee with Gabe and Steven next on 94.5 ESPN. For it's on the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Was I a fool cool event happening today that I got to play in. I love playing in it every year. Like the Mac Fund the outing, which happens at Tuckaway Country Club. So we're going to talk about Tuckaway right now, thanks to our friends at Waste Management. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. Now, again, it's always tough when we kind of feature these different courses, Stephen, that are private golf courses because you got to get the invite in order to get out. But Tuckaway is one of those places where if you can get the invite, it's cool because, again, and, and part of the reason I love it, I, the course that I play on the regular basis is Brown Deer, and that's open to the public. We have a men's club that you can still join, but that's where the PGA Tour used to come 
and play was Brown Deer Park Golf Course. It's where Tiger made his debut. But a lot of those big names in golf, the Jack Nicklauses of the world, they played at Tuckaway. This is where they played was Tuckaway Country Club. This is where the GMO used to be before it moved to Brown Deer. Yeah, it's a, it's an unbelievable course. It's always well kept, and I think one of the finishing holes coming back up to the the clubhouse is, is a hole that I'll always I believe that is eighteen coming yeah. right back up. Um, it's a great finishing hole. There's the perfect amount of trees. I haven't played the course in a little while. I was not at the event today, but I, I know that the, the tree water hazards are always in play throughout most of the course. Um, I think it's fair. I think it's a type of course you can play every single day, which is, you know, how I, my favorite part about rating golf courses is can I play this course every single day? Yeah. And, and I feel that way about Tuckaway. And, and what's nice about Tuckaway is, I mean, there are some country clubs that you play that are going to be old school country clubs. Yep. Um, you know, I played a member guest at Black Hawk in Madison and that is, there's a lot of the same. It's a lot of very tight off the tee. You got to make sure you keep it in play. There's a good mix. And while the trees certainly do come into play more often than not, like I think of, of hole two, which is a par five kind of coming back up the hill. Um, uphill par five, it's pretty wide. The fairway is fairly wide, so you can get you know away with a little you know being a little left or right because it's a wider fairway. But there are certainly different holes that get a lot tighter. I think of the other par five on the front where it's kind of a narrow landing area. It kind of goes, uh, I think it's seven, where it's. I mean, it's always, it's always so hard when you're playing scrambles because you just kind of lose you know focus of of what hole exactly you're on you're not starting on one uh but i think it's seven on on the front side where you have to hit kind of this perfect for me it would be a cut shot as a lefty for a right-hander it's a little bit of a draw to to kind of go with the dog leg and it's tight and you have to get it to this narrow spot and then get it up the hill um for that par five but it, it just gives you a good mix of golf holes it's not just the same golf hole over and over and over again where you kind of feel oh man i gotta hit this shot again i got it no it gives you a different mix and i think that goes to what you talk about in terms of the playability where yep. you're going you to be every, using every club yeah you're going to be using the majority of the 14 that you've got in the in the bag yeah and, and and i do feel like it's just as important to talk about what the mac fund open is as much as it is to talk about the course that that it's played on almost every single year i mean this is the longest running event that the mac fund has been putting on this is the 45th straight year that they're going to be playing the mac fund open they've raised over 2.2 million dollars playing in this golf tournament and um I know you had a blast playing in it today. They always do such an incredible job at the Mac Fund, and what a great venue for it. Um, this is probably the most so. This event, I I always struggle talking about this event because somebody oh what are you? I'm, I, yesterday I was playing with some buddies, and there's actually one buddy of mine who is an assistant for the uh, the Milwaukee Admirals who also played today and is a member at Brown Deer um, at, at the men's club at Brown Deer Park. And they were like, oh, where are you playing tomorrow? I'm like, oh, well, I've got this event to tuck away where. Because I'm I'm very uncomfortable calling myself a celebrity, but that's what we get labeled as in this event. <laughs> um, so I got to, but two years ago in the 2019 event, it was the most big time I had ever felt. It was the first time that I'd played in this event for the Mac Fund, uh, which I've, I've been so lucky to play in. in Two events every year now for the Mac Fund with the Ringer event in the spring and now this event in the late summer. But, um, you know, I was playing pretty well that day and, and somebody in my group, we got to a par three and, you know, hey, you buy one raffle ticket, you put it on the green, you get more raffle tickets, whatever. It's a chance to gamble. And one guy went, oh, yeah, I'm going to bet on Gabe. Gabe's going to put it on. I'm going to buy him tickets. And then he gave me all the tickets. And then I won the 50-50 raffle. 
Oh, that's fun. So I donated it all back. Good for you. Just that. No. Yeah, you can keep that. It wasn't my money. You know, I, I'm not the one who bought the ticket. Somebody else bought the ticket. I felt it was the right thing to do. You're the ultimate good guy. Gabe. <laughs> what would I'm you not have... just, I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean, that's a, that's a very good gesture. You're, what would you're you're you have, what would you what would you have done in that situation? Probably the exact same. Exactly. Thing. And, and, <laughs> not, exactly. Not, and that's not just like uh, I'm, I'm trying to praise myself. I, I just think that that's what the Mac Fund has created for everybody that's, oh, involved that's with them. Without a doubt, that's like and, the atmosphere. And, yeah, that that's what that's why you're playing. Like that that's why everybody out there was supporting it today. It's because it's it's. You know, and, and this the Mac Fund has a very special place in my heart because my wife is a physician assistant at Children's Wisconsin in pediatric oncology. And so, you know, I, I've long supported the Mac Fund and watching the work that she does every single day with those kids. And, you know, the, to know that this type of money is going into such an unbelievable cause for kids that need it. And um, yeah, I'm, I don't want to get emotional here. But it, it's just it's such a special special thing that has been going on in milwaukee for almost 50 years and um we urge all of you who might be listening right now to find a way to donate in any way possible they put on so many unbelievable events they do throughout a calendar year that you can go out and support and it doesn't even have to be an event just go to macfund.com or macfund.org and and find a way to give back to these kids that have been put in such a terrible situation and the families that have to support them as well. Um, and man, it, it, it's such a special thing. And I'm glad that you were out there today. Yeah. Gabe, it's um, continuing to support them like you have all year. It's always a fun event to play in because the people um, are great that you get paired with. You know, I've played with four people. I've played with four random people each of the last three years, but because of the Mac fund and its mission statement and what they represent, you know the people that you're going to be randomly paired with are going to be good people. Yep. And that's, you know, it's a blast. Uh, like Stephen said, go to MacFund.org uh, if you're looking to donate. That'll do it for this week's version of On the Tee. We'll find out next Tuesday. That's right. We'll have off takes next Monday. It's going to be the holiday, so our show is going to be on Tuesday. We'll talk about who makes that Ryder Cup team and who won the PGA Tour Championship all next week on the T.